everybody. Tyler Smith here. Uh, it's time for another entry in the best of pictures. Uh, but before we do that, um, I will welcome in my co-host, Josh Long. Josh. Hi. How you doing? Doing all right. All right. Glad to hear it. Uh, a, f- a couple of things. First off, September 20th, if you happen to be in the Los Angeles or Orange County area or just Southern California in general, uh, stop by Alpha Omega Con, which is in La Mirada, California, at, I th- at a church, I believe, uh, called Redeemer. Uh, but if you go to alphaomegacon.com, uh, you can find out all the information that you need. Uh, there are different panels about... <clears throat> Uh, Christian engagement in art. Um, the emphasis is mostly on comic books, but not exclusively. Television, film, uh, it's all it's all there. So, uh, and more than one lesson will have a booth there, and uh, it would be super neat to uh, uh, have a listener or two walk up and say, "Hey, how's it going? I listen to your show, and then uh, I always enjoy talking with listeners." So, uh, so that's the twentieth. It's from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. that day. Uh, we will. I'll be there all day, so come on up and say hi. Okay, so that's out of the way, and I will say really quick before we move on, uh, the day of recording, which I think is actually the day this episode is going to be posted, uh, Joan Rivers passed away. And if you are a fan of comedy, as I am, uh, that is a very sad thing. Um she admittedly, she, you know, she lived a full life. This is not an instance of somebody, you know, uh, whose life is cut short or anything like that, but it is still a sad thing. And it gives you the opportunity to reflect on her comedy career and her comedy philosophy. And as time went on, uh, I think people started thinking of her as the catty woman from E who talks about people's fashions and stuff. And indeed that's what she was. Uh, but she was also a very brave and very, uh, when I say when I say brave, that word gets thrown around a lot. But in the world of comedy, especially in the '60s, there were not a lot of female comedians, uh, and the type of comedian that she was uh, was outside the mainstream a little bit. Uh, she also worked within the mainstream very firmly, and so uh, which actually got her some criticism from uh, feminists at the time. So, uh, no matter what she did, she often made some people mad with her style of comedy. And I feel like that's, uh, I feel like that's almost how, you know, you're doing it right. Uh, if somebody somewhere is saying, Hey, that's, that's not funny. And, and her opinion about what uh, the role that comedy could play in your life as a way of helping you get through life is something that I really appreciate. And so there is a movie that is available on Netflix right now called Joan Rivers, a piece of work. It is a documentary about her, uh, it was one of my favorite movies of that year, I believe 2010. So seek that out, watch it. She was very funny. She could also be remarkably difficult as uh, entertainers sometimes are. Um, and, uh, just be forewarned, uh, there is of course some rough language in there. Uh, but it is uh, a very good movie and, uh, she was a very brilliant, uh, but much more sensitive than it would appear, uh, woman. And so, uh, she will be missed. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I don't talk enough about comedy on this show, uh, but it's something that's very important to me and very important to you as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and so uh, I feel like that's something that I'd like to discuss more, especially because Christians sometimes 
don't have much of a sense of humor about things. And I feel like maybe we should have more of one. But anyway. Mm -hmm. All right. We will move on to uh, the topic of this uh, mini-sode. And that is the winner of Best Picture for the year 1996, Anthony Minghella's The English Patient. Now, we've been talking about this episode or this movie for a while, knowing here here it comes. I can't remember how much it's come up actually on the show and how much it's just come up and us talking about it because uh, you know that at least I have strong feelings about it, Indeed. and which I have voiced many times. I think, we, did we talk about this one on the episode that I recorded on, of BP with you and David? Oh, yes, absolutely. This when was one of the ones about that came like Oscar's mistakes and stuff like that. I think this was is... Was that for that one? I think so. I was talking about the movies we hate one. <laughs> oh, uh, maybe not that, but the Oscar's mistakes. I was on that one. Okay, that's right. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, and, and that's... Uh, I was on uh, uh, 11 Points Countdown talking about um, the least deserving Best Picture nomin uh winners and english patient placed pretty high on there and mm -hmm. so uh this is a film that uh as time has gone on and not much longer i didn't it's not like it took 10 years within a couple of years uh people were saying eh, english we might have gotten it wrong on the english patient and yeah. so um but i will say this i've I had only seen the film, I think, maybe twice, maybe even only once, and it had been well over 10 years since that had happened. And so uh, I I started to rewatch it. Um, I was only able to get about halfway through uh, just because I it came at a bad time and I wasn't able to sit down and watch all of it. It's a longer film. so uh, But I was happy I, I was able to get through as much of it uh, as I did because it, it really brought back memories of the film. Um so here's what I'll say as far as as far as a film, and then I'll throw it to you. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think you and I are agreement on, in agreement on this. Uh, technically, it is uh, masterful. It is it has a beautiful visual palette. The thing that I really responded to is the color. It's it takes place in the desert, and appropriately, it's all earth tones and browns and tans. I mean, there's like no green. In the film, there's blue because it's a bright blue sky. But even then, it's the film is shot in a way that the bright blue sky literally means there's not a cloud covering the sun. It's hot. <laughs> you know, it just, there's so much, it, it really seems desolate and oppressive in the way that it is shot and the colors chosen. And I feel like that's very deliberately done. Uh, and so I really responded to how it was shot uh, you know, the sound design and the costumes, like it really put me in, you know, you almost feel like you're in another world because these characters sort of are, they are mostly removed from civilization. And I really responded to that. And so, uh, so I liked that. I liked a lot of the acting. Um, I'm a big fan of Ray Fiennes. And I remember thinking back on his performance in this, uh, it always seemed a little bit bland to me, especially when we see what he's been able to do since then mm -hmm. and what he did right before uh, in movies like Quiz Show and Schindler's List. Mm -hmm. uh, but in watching it now, there there is something going on with his performance. It is not bland. It is merely uh, quiet and uh, internal. 
Uh, and so I like his performance. I like Kristen Scott Thomas. I like her in a lot of things. She's an actress that I really respond to. I thought Juliette Binoche did a great job. She went, she won an Oscar for it for supporting actress. Uh, so there's, there's a lot in this movie. If you, if you break it down into its parts, there's a lot in this movie that I really responded to. Here's what I'll say though. Uh, in spite of it being an epic, it is also uh, ostensibly a romance. Um, we'll get to that ostensibly in a moment. Um, and so a romance is always going to be character-driven. Like, that's the nature of it. And which means that you got to pay close attention to these characters. And so what I'll say, the thing that really hit me as I was re-watching the film is that I don't know these characters. Like I said, that's, you know, a lot of these characters, especially Ray finds are their internal characters. Uh, but I feel like you can still get to know internal characters. I mean, you know, you watch a movie like the visitor, you watch lost in translation or, or that sort of thing. The characters aren't saying much. They're not giving you much. And yet, you know them. Uh, I don't know these characters. I don't care about these characters. I don't want them to achieve their goals. Uh, I don't. It's just it's astounding. I really try to avoid using the word boring because I think you can get any get something out of anything, Mm -hmm. even if it's anger. You know, anger is rarely boring. Um, But what so I won't use the word boring. A lot of people have said that in regards to this film. What I will say is I was completely uninvested Mm -hmm. there's only one real relationship that i was kind of invested in and that was juliet binoche and naveen andrews um who he's the uh the seek um uh bomb expert Mm. uh their relationship develops in a way that seems genuine and reveals character it's a much more when I say conventional, I don't want you to think that it's like, I just like movies the way they always happen. <laughs> it's a romance that feels more believable and more organic. And so, you know, these are supporting characters and I'm way more invested in their relationship. Uh, but I, I couldn't like, I, I watched this movie now again, like I didn't finish it, but still just as things were happening, I remember how I watched it the first time and I watched it, you know, meaningfully in college. And I realized that this is a movie that I watch passively. I don't, I'm not at all invested. I'm not engaged. I don't care what happens. Like, for example, I got an hour and a half into this film, uh, as I was rewatching it now. And, uh, in the case of almost anything else, there are times when I will, rewatch a movie for this show and much like with English English patient, I won't finish it Mm. uh, in time for the episode, but then I'll still finish it after we've recorded. I'm not going to, I don't care. There's no reason to, there's no reason to, um, you know, and it even managed to so far, like it even managed to take an actor who's always interesting, like Willem Dafoe, make him a thief who's had his thumbs chopped off. Everything about that character seems interesting. Except the way he's written and maybe even the way he's played. I don't necessarily put that on Willem Dafoe. Uh, It might be the way Anthony Minghella directed him. And I will say real quick, Anthony Minghella is responsible for, in my opinion, one of the most impactful, effective films I've ever seen, which is The Talented Mr. Ripley. Hmm. I think that's an amazing 
film. Hmm. And it, and it has a lot of the same elements as the English patient, but boy, it's just, it's so different emotionally. Yeah. Um, and then I'm not a huge fan of cold mountain, but it's, I, I, it's in my opinion, miles ahead of the English patient. This is a film that is like, and what, what especially gets me is just the sheer number of people talking about the passion of the film. Mm-hmm. This feels like such a, at least for myself, it is such a passionless film. And I will say, I'll say this and then I, and I'll throw to you just in general. Um, I think I probably do bring some personal moral and spiritual bias into this film. Whenever, whenever a, a film is about a character having an affair, I will have a response to it. Now, of course, in the case of something like Brief Encounter or uh, Unfaithful or something like that, where you still see the romance, you see the, the, the lust and the excitement of the affair, but you also know and the characters know and the film knows, maybe most importantly, that this is not a good thing. This is going to hurt people. And this is not a thing that should be championed. Mm-hmm. So I have a hard time rooting. With a romance, you root for people to get together. You want to see this happen. Right. But with this, and again, it's probably just my, my Christian philosophy. Um, but I don't root for people to get together, especially in the case like Colin Firth uh, plays Kristen Scott Thomas's wife. It's one thing if he's like an oaf and maybe abusive. Yeah. That's one thing. But he's not. He's, he's not. very attentive. He's a and perfectly good husband, and yeah. there's 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 nothing. I don't think there's anything to make us prefer Ray Fine's character over him. Yeah, except that except one, that she does. Yeah, and it's just and there are movies. You know, uh, not unlike Unfaithful, which is a movie that at some point we'll probably talk about on this show. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Mm, I have not. It's a great movie, and she uh, Diane Lane is astounding in it. But anyway. Um, you know, there is something to be said, for, and like Brief Encounter. Did you ever see that, David Lean? Yes. Yeah. There is something to be said for, you've been married a long time, there's what's comfortable, there's what you're used to, then there's the the new. And the new can be a hard thing to resist. Mm-hmm. I get it. That's, you know, which is why there needs to be some level of passion and excitement. Uh, but that needs to eventually give way, I think. Um, and so... So that I, I think maybe that's a big part for me of why the film doesn't work and why I don't care about these characters getting what they want because I think what they want is wrong, uh, not just morally but also relationally and emotionally, um, and so it's just so to build a whole big epic movie around this relationship of two characters that I feel like I don't know and I don't care about striving for a thing I don't want to happen. <laughs> uh, it's, it's asking a lot of me yeah. and it does not. Uh, and I, I just couldn't get behind it. Yeah. So I will now throw to you. That's, that was my response. So I tried to give it mm. at the top. I tried to say like, there's a lot, the, the movie, imagine the, the budget, imagine this level of artistic and technical commitment in in service of a of a story and maybe even the same story but just done differently mm-hmm. yeah i think you could do this i think you could do this story differently i think it probably has been done differently in some way yeah um but yeah i i saw it when i was going through and watching all the 
all the best picture winners. And uh, then I watched it again when I was going to write on it for the site. And I remembered that when I originally watched it, I didn't, I didn't have anything going into it thinking like, well, I know this is supposed to be a bad movie. Yeah. Um, or even that I had any kind of prejudices against it, even though I am a huge fan and supporter of one of the other films that was nominated this year, mm-hmm. which I guess we'll talk about later. But, uh, so I don't think I say that to say that I didn't go into it expecting to hate it and then finding things that I hated. Right. I just watched it and as it went along thought, I don't like this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is a bad movie. Now I agree with, I agreed with what you said about the technical stuff. I think technically it looks very beautiful. Um, I think, a lot of that stuff they're they're doing absolutely right, um, and I think it deserves the Oscars that it won for those things for cinematography and and, and other technical awards. But uh, as you say, it's it's all in service of a of a story that has little to no substance and and doesn't really go anywhere with it. It's just it's so much of nothing happening in this movie. First of all, there's the relationship between the two of them, the the relationship between Ray Fiennes and Kristen Scott Thomas as Count Laszlo de Almacy, which there's an English name if you've ever heard it, <laughs> um, and Catherine Clifton, Clifton, excuse me. Um, it seems like they fall in love just because the movie said, hey, you guys fall in love now, and then they do. They, yeah. they have no, they don't have any chemistry before anything happens with them. They don't have any like moment that really links them. I'm trying to think if I agree about the chemistry thing. I think Kristen Scott Thomas has chemistry with everybody. Well, she 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 but, has a charisma to her. Yeah, but there's nothing connecting the two of them. He's just another guy there. You could you could just as easily taken anybody else who's at that dig site and focused on him, and then had him be the one she falls in love with because there's nothing more to their connection. Yeah, and you know what? There is there's one moment. You know, there are there are some set pieces in the film that are actually very effective. There's one. There's a sandstorm scene mm-hmm. where. The two of them are together, and there are a couple other people around, but it's primarily the two of them. And they start to, and it's nighttime, and they look on the horizon, and they realize the, the stars are slowly disappearing. And it's because there's a giant sandstorm headed their way, so they get in their cars and, you know, ride it out. And by the end, one car is completely buried in sand, which is a very disturbing notion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he and Kristen Scott Thomas are in this thing together. And what's interesting is that could have been the catalyst Mm -hmm. and it would have been a very effective one yeah you know i feel like you know if you if you undergo that with anybody it will take your relationship to the next level and i don't even mean romantically like if you're a mild acquaintance with somebody you'll be a friend afterwards like it that could be the catalyst but this is seen as the thing that can, that sort of confirms, all right, well, they are very interested in each other mm-hmm. and they both kind of know it. And it's like, I, I no, I, it's, it's like, you feel like, where did that come from? If yeah. you're trying to look at this, their romantic relationship from any kind of, with any kind of critical eye, you start to think like, why is this happening? If we yeah. just go along for the ride and just assume that whatever the movie's telling us is fine, just assume that, oh, okay, now they're there in love now, then yeah, I guess. But, I don't think the movie earns that at all. Yeah. And then once they are involved, it's, it's, it's never as if their relationship really grows deeper or they seem to know each other any better or anything like that. It's just lots of empty sex, Yeah, which, uh, you know, 
I think I was telling you beforehand, I said in the, in the article when I wrote it that I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing in a movie. I think you can do something with that, with having two characters that are just kind of having empty sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Graduate is a great example of that. But, but it doesn't. It, it's, we're meant to, to look at that and say, oh, how beautiful is that? How wonderful is their relationship? It's supposed yeah. to seem deep and moving because we're supposed to, uh, we're supposed to look on their rela- relationship tragically. Yeah. And in order for it to, to be tragic, it has to seem good at some point. And it it never really does have any kind of substance to it enough to feel good. Yeah. I mean, not unlike The Graduate or, or any number of films like this uh, in which you do have characters engaging in empty sex uh, that is sort of meaningless. Um, you know, you could have one character who maybe is actually sort of invested and the other is not. And then maybe it goes back and forth like that and yeah. until they both realize, oh, this isn't what we thought. I might be getting something emotionally out of the act of this, mm-hmm. but there's nothing about this person in particular that is causing that. I yeah. could be doing it with anybody yeah. and it's giving me this thing that I feel like I need. Like right. there's so many different ways to explore this. You could explore the tragedy of the inherent tragedy of these two people, uh, finding a type of connection, but one that is in no way meaningful and realizing this is the most we can do. Yeah. We're just not the type that can, you know, right. you know, you could, you have Ray finds as a count, a very, an emotionally distant count who's lived his, a certain way his whole life. And he doesn't know how to connect to somebody emotionally. You could have that, yeah, but they don't. The, There's the lots film, of things that it could deal with and just, and just doesn't. Yeah. And, um, and the film doesn't seem to know that it seems mm-hmm. to think it's telling this amazing, passionate, involving story. Yeah. And it is not, and it's not, and it goes on for too long doing yeah. that. Um, and so that that's that's part of the movie that I don't like. I also don't like the most of the stuff involved in the framing device of uh, 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 Julia Binoche's character taking care of taking care of him. Um, you know what's interesting? Real quick, I've not read the book. Have you? I haven't either. So I I've heard the book say, is wonderful. It might be, and I feel like the book, if it is wonderful, it has to to make that setup work better because it makes no sense that she stays back to take care of him. Here is okay. I'm glad you said that because this is actually where I was headed. As I was doing research into this, the way the book is described is four strangers from very different walks of life end up in this abandoned mansion at the tail end of world war two and they interact with one another and each of them have their own stories. Uh, and just, and it wind it. And again, I haven't read the book, but this is just based on one or two descriptions of it in the broadest possible sense. Maybe it does delve more into this one guy's story, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like who are the other two? Is it Carvaggio and Carvaggio uh, and, uh, Kip, when, and Kip's hardly in the movie, it feels right. like. It's, he's very effective in the movie. Right. I like him a lot. But that's the thing. It's just, ima- like, imagine how how disparate these four characters are. Yeah. One is this mysterious, burned English patient. Mm-hmm. And the book is still called The English Patient, so I guess it's still more of a focus on him. One is this nurse who has lost everybody that she ca- has, that she cares about. One is this thumbless thief. Mm-hmm. And one is a Sikh, uh, you know, bomb expert. Yeah. Like, 
they're all very different and very unique. And, and like, imagine a movie about these four people interacting, and you get glimpses of each of their lives. Yeah, uh, and seeing like how their lives brought them to this point, almost as if by fate. Yeah, that's a movie I'm much more interested. The in. the, the intersection of all those characters is interesting, but that's not at all what this movie is about. No. The, those two characters pop up. Honestly, I think the Carvaggio character doesn't even really fit in the movie. He comes in at weird times. Like his effect on the story is is kind of dubious. His his uh, because we don't go into the background of that of that character at all. His, his motivations don't seem to make any sense. Like I don't even know who this character is or why he's there. And I I, I agree with you that I, I maybe it's in the direction, but it feels like a bad performance to me. It feels like he's mugging for the whole movie. Oddly enough, I would like it if he was mugging more. Uh, I feel like he's mostly immemorable. Um, yeah, it's uh, and that's the thing is that the character he he knows who the count is and he blames him in some way. And I don't remember exactly for what happened to him uh, getting like his thumbs cut, cut off and all that sort of thing. And he has there are like three people that he blames and he has killed two of them. And so mm-hmm. he's there basically to kill this guy. <clears throat> But then upon hearing the tragedy of his story, and the story is tragic, uh, you know, the the reckless affair that uh, that the two characters uh, engage in, it winds up hurting and killing people. Uh, and so there is that. Um, but when Carvaggio hears that, he decides this guy's suffered enough and he's basically about to die anyway. <laughs> so he, he leaves him alone. So it's this idea of like, okay, our, like – hearing out like the tragedy of other people's lives can lessen the tra can lessen our own sense of not necessarily entitlement, but this feeling that we're so alone in the things that have happened to us uh, again, another theme worth exploring. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember that really at all. That is yeah. not impactful. The character of Caravaggio, you would think that Willem Dafoe would be a welcome addition. Again, it's not necessarily just his fault with the character. The character could be basically the same, but written and directed better he would be a welcome addition to the film. As it is, he feels like a distraction. Yeah. And when, and the way he shows up, it's like, what? What? Yeah. What? Why are you even here? Right. How did you get here? And why are you still here? Right. And that's that's one of the big things about this. And, and again, maybe the book explains this more, but I don't think feel like the movie gives us any good reason that any of them are there. But besides maybe Ray Fiennes because he can't go anywhere else. Right. But her what she she's the first one there with him mm-hmm. she decides to stay back behind en- enemy not lines separated from the rest of the army in a strange house that's falling apart with a man she just met now officially i don't think they're enemy lines anymore maybe um, not but it's enemy territories in a way like yeah i mean it's, it's not a safe place to be if you're if you're thinking about it realistically so right. there's zero good reason for her to stay there even if you're trying to make the argument that she feels like she needs a place to take care of him this abandoned house in the middle of what was very recently enemy enemy territory at least yeah. is not a safe place there's bombs around that's why there needs to be the the yeah. the uh, navy and andrews character to take care of that like so it, it's a stupid decision and i and the movie just never addresses that it it does feel as though as is the case with almost all of these characters um and you know what like even i could see so much of this working in a book where you can explore motivations and inner thoughts yeah. a lot more but 
when you just see it, when you just see the actions themselves that mm-hmm. seem mostly unmotivated, it just seems like every all the characters, you know, in in kind of a different version of Aaron Brockovich syndrome, it just feels like all the characters are are being have read the script mm-hmm. and they realize, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. This I don't is the know part why where we stay in I'll the house. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think it suffers from that in a big way of of not explaining things. And then I think one of the things that I wrote about it was that. It it doesn't know when it's supposed to tell something and when it's supposed to show something. I feel like yeah. it does the opposite sometimes. Um, we it starts out with I think it's, is it in the first scene where Hannah's man, I guess wh- whoever she's involved yeah. with, is killed. I think. Yeah, I think so. And then she hears about it, but we don't know who she is. We don't know what the connection is. Like yeah. we're just shown this with no context. I mean, there's there's an inherent sadness in it, right? But you know, we don't need that much. But it, I do feel like give us a scene or two, and then she is given one scene with a friend, like an actual character that she's close with, and then her friend dies uh, by driving over a landmine. Right, and it's like that's a sad thing. But even that is sudden too. It's like, yeah. oh, I guess she has a friend. Oh no, okay, now that friend's dead. Right. So it, it's as if they just have to force in these little things to say, okay, yeah, she's a tragic character. Did you see this bad thing happen? Did you see that bad thing happen? Okay, you get it. Yeah, and she never really talks about like how that's affecting her you know it it doesn't there's not enough telling us what's going on with her or what those relationships even really were they don't ever go into the history of any of those relationships maybe that guy who died is somebody that she like with count almacy met two minutes ago and suddenly feels like she needs to take care of yeah Uh, i find myself wondering wouldn't it be interesting if they moved this around hannah's the main character and we see a lot of her life before this. And then she meets this guy and it's like, I've got nothing else. I have nobody else to invest yeah. in. I'm going to invest in him no matter what. And then suddenly he's supporting, mm-hmm. she's lead, and it's about her. That might be more what the book is. And I think that would be a much more interesting Yeah. Thing. Especially because I like Julia Binoche. I think she's a great actor. Right. But um, he, I don't even, I like her though. I don't even like her in this role. And I think it's mostly because of the writing, it, besides these weird logical things that don't make any sense and such a lack of character development, she just, she's written childishly. Like she's written as a, yeah, uh, almost a caricature who makes foolish decisions and whines all the time. A good, you know, a good example of, of, and maybe that maybe it does come down to a script issue, and it's worth noting that Anthony Minghella wrote it and directed it. So any any flaws with the script are not flaws he's going to overcome in the direction because right. he wrote it. Uh, but if you want an example of how effective these characters could be, look at them when there's silence. Mm-hmm. You know, you, there's a lot of moments where Hannah is crying or just sitting, like when she's sitting and just playing the piano and just the expression on her face. I know more about her as a person from that. Same with Ray Fiennes just, and, and when he and Kristen Scott Thomas, like when they look at each other and when they're actually involved in the passion itself, I feel, I actually feel something for these characters. Mm. But once they start talking and once like they're expressing themselves, that's when I lose interest. And it's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, this is what they have to say. Yeah. Um, and it just and they say things like I wrote down one of those lines because I thought it was so silly when he's he says what do you love tell me everything <laughs> that's really a line doesn't from the that movie. sound like something from the room <laughs> what does. do you love tell me everything it does kind of yeah or like if you if you had an Arnold Schwarzenegger romantic movie and you're like eh, I don't know 
say this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, and that's the thing is, Ray Fiennes is given a lot of lines like that that are that are hard to pull off, and he pulls them off, and he finds like a certain coldness in the character, a guy who is not really able to connect with people socially, and so, what is it like? What do you love? Tell me everything. Like just cutting to the, you know, cutting to the core of that. That's something that he is able to do something with, but it. But when all the lines are like that, after a while, it's like, okay, this is, you know. It's just, it's too much. Yeah. And yeah. then another another major thing, I'm sorry, were you going to? No, go ahead. Another major thing was just, uh, it, this is meant to be a tragedy, mm-hmm. but I f- it feels like none of these characters have any kind of tragic flaws. Because the only thing that you could, you could put down that maybe... Uh, Almacy and and Clifton do in their love is that it like it's a forbidden love or something you know they they do I guess selfishness selfishness but that's the thing is I don't know if that's even seen as a f- it's I don't, not I yeah. think that selfishness is shown as the best thing that ever happened in their lives and the yeah. best decision that they ever made yeah. I don't think Almacy is shown with any flaws which you could go into because like you were talking about he is this count so maybe he is this kind of distant character that isn't able to connect to people that that would be a great thing but that's not explored in the movie so that that's not there uh catherine the same way unless you go into her relationship being the flaw she doesn't have any other flaws there's nothing wrong with her Uh, han is the same way we see her as childish but the movie doesn't really portray her that way yeah um so it's all these characters that never did anything wrong in all their lives and they're just a victim of their circumstances i think the film could see i think the film does see her as deeply wounded and as a result she does make some bad decisions i think the film acknowledges their bad decisions uh maybe not the primary decision of the film where which is i'm gonna stay behind in this mine-laden castle (laughs) uh she doesn't know about that admittedly but like um she, I think she is seen as, at the very least, out of her depth. Um, I can see that. But again, it, it says that she's there because she's just a victim of her circumstances, right. which I, I think is a, is a poor, is a weak character decision. Like, all these characters, it's just because something bad happened to them. Like, they, they, they never did anything wrong, but yeah. life dealt them a bad hand, and now we're supposed to feel sorry for them. Yeah, it is worth noting, and I said this with Titanic, it's a little bit different. Uh, the film, okay, so here's all the things that it won and we should probably move towards uh, wrapping yeah. up. So here's that. Cause we could, we could go on. Uh, it won best original dramatic score, editing, sound costumes, art direction, cinematography, director, supporting actress and best picture now. And it was nominated for actor, actress and adapted screenplay. Now, we don't necessarily need to go through all of these and say what we do agree with Mm -hmm. and what we don't. But what I will say is it is worth noting that in a year where they want, they wanted to give this film as many Oscars as they could screenplay didn't wind up in there. Instead they gave it to sling blade. So, which is a good script by the way. Yeah, no, I think, Um, well, yeah, better than, better than this for sure. With, with lines like, I just found another one that I wrote down. Uh, every night I cut out my heart, but in the morning it was full again. I think they're mixing metaphors a little bit. <laughs> a little if, bit. if it was, I emptied my heart. There it was go. full again. But it's it's full of those things that are overly melodramatic, yeah. and then like, uh, yeah, we're supposed we're supposed to take all those overly melodramatic things with total seriousness. And 
let me let me throw this out there, and this is uh, very damning what I'm about to say. All of the romantic lines. Can't you imagine them being said by Anakin Skywalker to Padme? <laughs> yeah, totally. That heart line. Yeah, that's a dumb George Lucas romance line. Yeah, um, yeah. It's you know, and I and here's the thing: Anthony Minghella has shown that he is a he was he passed away. Uh, he was a very capable director with talented Mr. Ripley, and even even Cold Mountain, like it moves. I care about the characters. I care about their romance. Uh, there are parts of the film that I don't respond to very much at all, but it's a very, in, at times, it's a very effective film. And so, uh, and I'm not sure if I've seen anything else by him yet. He didn't direct that many movies. I think I've only seen those three. Although I kind of, I, there are things I like about Cold Mountain, but I feel like at heart that their relationship is kind of the same as this one is where there's not a real, there's not a whole lot behind it. Well, I'll tell you the one thing they, they have a relationship and then they're separated. Yeah. That instinct instinctively we want that. And also mm. neither of them are having an affair, mm. uh, which is nice. <laughs> um, but like if you take two people and separate them, you know, there's a reason that Romeo and Juliet is considered an amazing romance, even though it's just two dumb kids. Mm. And it's because <laughs> their circumstances say, no, you don't get to be together. Mm. And that instinctively makes us want them to be together. Whereas mm. this, they're together all the time. And it's like, I don't know. I don't like this at all. This I don't be respond this at all. Uh, so, okay. But yeah, so it's, it is worth noting that they, that the Academy could not, in the same way that they could not nominate the, the screenplay for Titanic, they could not give this one best screenplay. Mm-hmm. And I, and you feel like they could, they would have, if they, if they could have, but they genuinely felt like they couldn't. Yeah. So, um, and, and I think at the script level is where the film and pacing and it's weird. It's, it's edited by Walter Murch, a great editor. Yeah. Um, but I it's guess just, it's too much movie for too little substance. That's the problem. So yeah. y- y- there's no way that you can edit that well, unless Walter Murch goes to him and is like, Hey, I think you need to cut about half of this movie out yeah. and then you got something workable. And you know, it's interesting. Cold mountain was long. And I remember thinking at the time when I saw it, I said, you know, I don't like everything in that movie, but I can't think of anything I'd cut out. Which is a weird thing to say. There's a lot more happening in it, I, yeah. I think, which... And it's more propulsive. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's it's always moving. It's I mean, it's kind of like the Odyssey. And so, hmm. uh, one circumstance leads to another, leads to another. So, you never linger too much on any one. But anyway, uh, but yeah, English Patient, it, it almost feels like it's trying, it's trying to take a small hour and a half period lurid paperback romance and turn it into Lawrence and turn of it into yeah this or I'd say more Dr. Zhivago the Lawrence yeah of maybe so um and so it's uh just by sheer force of will like if we work hard enough we will convince people that this is what it is mm-hmm. and it did convince a lot of people a lot of people really liked that movie it uh I mean obviously it won all these Oscars but you know critics really lined up behind it they really liked it um i was recently looking at uh siskel and ebert's like 10 best of 1996 it was on gene siskel's yeah. but at the number one spot of both of their lists was fargo mm-hmm. uh i don't remember where i said this but i know i said it somewhere publicly and maybe not even necessarily in re- reference to this movie i think i think it was this one you and I, uh, well, okay. So I went to film school, but you, you didn't necessarily go to film school, but you, you were involved in dramatic arts one way or another. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and we know a lot of film people and have over the course of our lives met a lot of people who love film and they want to get into film. Mm. If you ask people, what's the movie that got you into it? What's the movie that just grabbed you and wouldn't let go? No one would ever say the English patient ever to my knowledge. You'll probably find some, you'll probably find a good number of people that would say Fargo. Yeah. Um, I remember in watching the review, Gene Siskel says, this isn't just one of the, this isn't just the best movie of the year. This is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh and yeah. That's, that's a, you know, that's a, a, a bold thing to say. Yeah. As many movies as, as many movies as there are, uh, when, when you're making a list of the best of all time, there's not a lot of people who make lists of that. There's not a whole lot of them from the nineties that show up. There's stuff in there, but yeah. Um, there's not as much compared to say the forties or, or right. You know, there's other in the nineties. You've got Goodfellas, Pulp Fiction, Fargo. Yeah, but what I'm saying is Fargo is one of them. Exactly. Fargo is one yeah, of those yeah. ones that if you're making a list of the best movies of all time, certainly the best American movies of all time, that movies that definitely on there. Yeah. And it's, uh, and that we, we did a mini set about Fargo. It was in your top 10 looking at yeah. my top hundred. I think it's, it places like in the top 15 for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just such a it's a, such a marvelous movie and that's the thing everything that you see in english patient is tired mm-hmm. and it's boring and it's unengaging everything you see in fargo is fresh and yeah, new vibrant. and original and it's it's in it's weird that it's in a similarly desolate environment yeah as uh, as the desert in yeah. in the english patient and yet it's still it, it's even you might even say in sometimes it's slower paced Fargo? In some ways. In some ways. Because because I've, Fargo knows how to use those moments of quiet and those moments of, like, uh, solitude to either build tension or to, like, heighten a character or something like yeah. that, um, which the English patient doesn't, doesn't do. And I would also like to suggest that there is more passion in one scene of Norm making Margie eggs yeah. than in the entirety of the English patient. I would, I would agree. Um you know, and that's no small thing. Yeah. And these are people that, you know, there are times when, you know, they're watching TV as they lay in bed. Norm's Norm has fallen asleep. Margie is about, is going to go to sleep there. You get the impression she's watching something that she's not really that interested <laughs> in. It seems depressing. Mm-hmm. It seems like so one of those people is going to have an affair, right? Yeah. But they, in another they movie, love each it, other so much. Yeah. Him talk. I cannot tell you. That the film has, uh, the film has gained so much. The the older I get, mm. and the fact that I'm that I'm married yeah. now, yeah, I'll tell you what, that three cent stamp, the thing, stamp thing, yeah, <laughs> where Norm has painted something and it winds up on the three cent stamp, and he talks about like nobody buys the three cent anymore. Uh-huh. And she says, oh, people buy, you know, when they, when they, they're left, when they change the postage, they're left with a bunch of the old ones. Yeah. They're left with a bunch. Yeah. Just like, and that level of comfort and encouragement, there are times when I've, you know, I mean, you're, you're in, he, he's trying to be an artist in mm-hmm. some way, Yeah, you know, you're a, a filmmaker and a writer. I'm trying to do the critic thing. Mm-hmm. We're still pretty young in our careers. We've had moments where it's like, we've had like small victories mm-hmm. and you and I, anybody who has a small victory, like a three cent stamp yeah. uh, is like, 
Yeah, it's not that yeah, good. Yeah, but is it? Yeah. So and then your spouse comes along and says, wait a second. <laughs> Look at this. It may be small, but it is a victory. You got to, you know, go, go yeah. with that. And, and, that, and means, that especially, too, being in the face of what's going on with her, all these huge yeah. things that are going on with her, all these huge uh, difficulties that she's had to overcome, that she can still be there and, and support him in this small. Compared to what she's dealing with, you could easily see what's happening with him be insignificant. Yeah. But she doesn't treat it that way at all, which any any number of things like that make their relationship so much more interesting and so much so much deeper than the one in the english patient and the it's oh i look i've got literal (laughs) goosebumps now admittedly it's chilly in my room but that's true think of okay you read a couple of lines from english patient Mm mm-hmm there's such a there's such a forced grandeur to it that yeah. it winds up being virtually em- like meaningless and empty. Whereas the simplicity of Marge saying, "Here you are, and it's a beautiful day." Mm-hmm. The easiest lines in the world. Yeah, it could be a Dr. Seuss line. <laughs> yeah, so simple. You know, there's more to life than a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. Not the most profound statement. <laughs> Who hasn't heard that before? And yet somehow. It takes on such a grand operatic quality. Mm. Admittedly, uh, you know, when Carter Burwell's wonderful score kicks in, mm. it does have that quality to it. Mm. But, like, it's just the Coen's uh, – as wonderful as No Country for Old Men is and any number of Coen Brothers mm. movies, I don't know if they can beat It's Bar-Go. hard to. That's – and, and I, I don't even think of that as a bad thing. Like, right. That's – they, yeah, they, they can make, never beat Citizen Kane. Exactly. Like, what a bummer. You can make other amazing films. They might not be up to the caliber of this one, because I think that's a really high standard to have. But yeah. they, they, they can still make amazing, amazing films. It's, it's, like, it's almost like a magic trick. All you want to do is say, how did you do that? Oh, yeah. How can you do that? How can you make a, a film that is so gory, funny, and so heartfelt? Yeah. And then uh, and cynical at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Like, how do you do well, that? And then let's look. So we talked about how the romance is is so much deeper. But then let's look at, at the tragedy. Like the the tragedy of Jerry Lundegaard as a character has m- oh, much yeah. more depth to it than any of the tragedies in The English Patient. Yeah, because absolutely. he's this deeply flawed person. But we want a lot of the things that he wants, even if we know that he's going about them in the totally wrong way. And I think some of it is that you know, and I don't think The English Patient is ever meant to reflect us i don't think we're supposed to look at them and say oh i see myself there so many like these characters are so outlandish and maybe with hannah a little bit but like these characters are so outlandish that i don't think it's intended to be uh an audience replacement type movie no so i'm not going to hold it to necessarily that standard standard but what i will say is that fargo one of the reasons that it works is because we are jerry lundegaard yeah. like i have I, maybe i haven't gone to the to the <laughs> I haven't gone to the uh, extremes that he has gone to, but I've felt the way he's felt. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I felt the way almost any of those characters have felt. Um, And I think the Coen brothers recognize that they created recognizable characters that we all can relate to Mm -hmm. and we will fill in the emotional depth ourselves. Yeah. And so they don't need to go that far. They don't need to explain everything to us. We'll fill it in ourselves based on our own experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we should move on. Okay. So the other best picture nominees were 
So Fargo, Secrets and Lies, Shine, Jerry Maguire. I know you're not a big Jerry Maguire fan. Not so much. I like it a lot. I think it's a, I think it's a pretty good movie. I like Shine a lot. I think Secrets and Lies is a wonderful film. I think Secrets and Lies is good, too. Were Fargo not nominated, I would say Secret, Secrets and Lies definitely deserves to win. That'd be my pick, too, yeah. Otherwise. Uh, other notable 1996 releases, Lone Star, which is a another... Have you seen Lone Star? I haven't seen that one It's yet. amazing. That's one it's, I need to see. Yeah, it's by far... Uh, John Sayles' best film. People vs. Larry Flint, I don't necessarily love it, but it has its moments. Sling Blade, I like a lot. Sling Blade's a good movie. Uh, and then there's, you know, after that it drops off a little bit. <laughs> there's Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann film. There is that thing you do, which I love. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. I love that movie. That one is, that's it's, one that has a lot, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and it's just, it's one of those things that like, there's not a lot of depth to it, but there is a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not, in in not trying to make something incredibly deep, it actually winds up being kind of deep in some ways. Mm-hmm. And the the music is great. It was rightfully nominated for best song. Did not win. That is wrong. Hmm. Uh, but I enjoy that one. And then other things like you know, <laughs> I wrote down Kingpin because it's an amazing <laughs> comedy. But uh, a comedy like that certainly would not be up for anything. <laughs> a Time to Kill. I don't like it. I, I've never responded to it. Didn't respond to I it at the time. It. Uh, it's a John Grisham film that people flipped out over because it has like, and there's some good performances in there, but man, it's melodramatic and it just, mm. it plays all the worst race things. Not I don't really. respond to it. Uh, Primal Fear is very good, but it, it can be boiled down primarily to one really great performance. Mm. Flirting with Disaster is a David O. Russell film. It's a very good comedy. Um, it's a nice ensemble piece, but it's also not the type of movie. We've said this before. If this movie, if Flirting with Disaster was made now that David or Russell is who he is. It could be nominated for a bunch of things. I think so. And I think he, there are things I don't like about flirting with disaster where I feel like it feels a little like a young filmmaker. Mm -hmm. I feel like if he were to make that same movie again today, he would fix a lot of those issues that I have with it. I think so. And I think it would be the sort of thing that would get attention at least. But the tone would probably be about the same. His, his, he, in his comedies, he tends to have a manic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And so that's the thing is, on the uh, on like the list of movies that weren't nominated for picture, uh, you know, sometimes there's a movie that isn't nominated. It's like, well, clearly that's the best one of the year, but it wasn't yeah. even nominated. And sometimes those jump out at you, but this is not one of those years. Right. I don't think. This year you've got Fargo and Secrets and Lies. Mm-hmm. You're good. Between those two, you're good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, English Patient obviously did not deserve to win Best Picture. Uh, does not deserve to be thought of as one of the best romances. Uh, there's some great technical yeah. things to it. If you're a cinematographer, I think you could probably watch it and learn a lot. Oh, yeah. The thing I will, I will once again emphasize is its use of color. Um, but yeah, obviously Fargo is, uh, the best movie of that year. No question about it. So, okay. We will end there, uh, in, I'm not quite sure what the order is going to be, but our next, uh, best, picture will be mel gibson's braveheart which we have plenty of things to say about as well so uh we will just sign off there josh thanks for being here you're welcome and thank you guys for listening bye